Hey listeners, this is Danielle. And Shelly. Shelly is a radical Dravidian and racial equity activist. And Danielle is a community mobilizer and change maker. And this is the Medford Bites podcast. Every two weeks, we chew on the issues facing Medford and deliver bites of information about the city by lifting the expertise of our guests. Join us in discussion about what you hope for the future of Medford. And as always, tell us where you like to eat. All right, thank you both for being here with me today. Um, If you don't mind starting with just some introductions, so saying your name, pronouns, and just a bit about who you are. Uh, My name is Joel Menasha, uh, he, him pronouns. I'm a guidance counselor at Medford High School, and I also am the co-advisor of our GSA, the Gay-Straight Alliance. Thank you. My name is Sarah Fard, she, her pronouns, and I'm a music teacher here at Medford High School. All right, well, thank you both. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a specific topic later on, but I wonder before we do that, if you all could answer the famous podcast question, which is, what is your favorite place to eat in Medford, and what do you like to eat there? Sure. Well, um, I I am actually a little embarrassed to say that there are a lot of places in Medford I've, I've eaten at. <laughs> I'm usually very much on the go because I, I teach at a college and evenings after here. <laughs> So I'm so grateful that we have a bistro here at Medford High School. It's part of the vocational school, and the food is amazing. You can get coffee, and it's just such um, an amazing thing that, like, during my prep period, I can go up to the bistro and get a coffee. Um, Their desserts are amazing. The the staff does a wonderful job training students in the program. So that's my favorite place to eat in Medford. (laughs) Thank you. I will second that the bistro is very good. Um, in terms of restaurants, I would say Real Gusto is my favorite place. Um, I like that it's, you know, you can get some water views um, from there. It's very pretty, but also the chicken parm is excellent. So that would be my favorite dish there. I like that place too. Um, great. So we're going to talk today a little bit about like a special initiative that you're both involved in at, at the high school. But before we get to that, um, I'm wondering if you could both share a little bit about kind of what got you into teaching and maybe what you kind of appreciate about Medford High? Sure. Um, So I knew I wanted to be a teacher for a long time. I come from a family of teachers. So when it came down to what I wanted to teach, I knew it was going to be some form of art. My mom is a visual art teacher, or was. She's retired now. Um, But music was always like the the most powerful thing to me. So I I went into teaching. because I wanted to make music more accessible to more people. Um, because when I was learning music, I, I got some lessons, but I didn't get a lot. And, and if I hadn't had musical opportunities in school, I would have, um, I just wouldn't have had the experiences that I had to mm. develop as a musician and, and play music and make music. And one thing I really like about my job here in Medford is that I, I teach music electives at the high school level, anyone can take them. So it doesn't matter if you've played an instrument before or you haven't. I teach music, um, technology, guitar, and a a fairly new class that's a popular music ensemble. So you can join if you have a lot of experience or you don't. Um, I think that historically there's been a, a lot of gatekeeping to who can participate in music and who can play music and what types of music you're supposed mm. to play. And I'm just really happy to, uh, like, 
I like to think anyways, like break down those barriers and invite anyone in um, who might not have had the opportunity to make music before. Mm. So yeah, and there are a good amount of students that that's, that's where they play music. Um, it's just in class and that's okay. You're not expected to have an instrument at home or take lessons and um, unfortunately that's not super common mm-hmm. in a lot of other music programs. So. I'm curious if you have a, like a main instrument that you... My, na- my main instrument is guitar. So actually I floated around to a few other teaching jobs before I landed here. And one of the first things I noticed when this job was posted 10 years ago <laughs> was that they were specifically looking for a guitar player, which had like never happened to you before. It was always, are you a brass, are you a woodwind, are you a choral person? No? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, good luck. <laughs> so no one really cared that I was a guitarist, but... Mm. Um, for this position they did. And I think it, it does give me advantage because I'm able to differentiate for a lot of different levels and, and styles and interests because I'm familiar with the instrument. Whereas mm-hmm. if it were clarinet methods, you know, I could guide you, but maybe not well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when you, when you mentioned that piece about kind of like making things more accessible, a guitar is like a cool instrument. I feel like to like a, to a youth, right? Like yeah, somebody wants to play. I like think so. yeah, I feel like that. It's like also about. It sounds like it's also about like attracting kids, making it feel interesting to them, and then once they're in it, it's like they can experience how. Yeah, cool it is yeah, right and it's in. I mean, the guitar is in so many different styles of music, which mm. is nice, and it also lends itself to a lot of different um, modalities of learning. Mm. Like we talk about music notation there are so many different visuals that you can learn Mm. guitar with which isn't always common with other instruments but i'm getting myself (laughs) (laughs) no thank you talk about that all day but i won't i promise (laughs) yeah we've got a few other things to talk about thank you so much um joel what about you um so you know unlike sarah i did not expect to be working in education when i was in high school or even college i um went to college for journalism and i worked in journalism for four years after college and TV news, and I thought that's what I always wanted to do. Um, But I didn't find it very fulfilling. And I had one of my best friends was a history teacher, and I just learned, at some point, I think the idea of being a guidance counselor kind of popped into my head. Mm. And I went to his school, and I learned more about guidance, what guidance counselors did. Long story short, I'm here now in Medford. This is my sixth year. I'm not just saying this because I'm in Medford and I'm on a Medford podcast, but I honestly feel like this is like my dream school. (laughs) I think Medford's really special because of how diverse it is kind of in every direction. Mm. Um, And I appreciate that in large part because I learn so much about different students and their experiences. Um, And I also think it's so cool that we have this vocational school. It is the best part of my job is seeing students excited to be in this building. And I think for students you know, who may not succeed as well in the classroom, that might not be the best way for them to learn. For them to have something to be excited and prideful about in their vocational shops, and we see it all of the time. Mm. It's, it's, we're so lucky that so many of our students have this opportunity here, and I love that I'm able to be a part of that and encourage it. Mm. So. Thank you, yeah, and, and we met um, because you're, you said co-leader? Co-advisor, co-advisor for the GSA. For the GSA yeah. Yeah. So we met at the, Pride event last year, I think. Yeah. And you and uh, the, you know, kind of mo- the reason that we're here today is you had mentioned a scholarship initiative that you're you're both involved in. So I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, this all started really. The roots of it are back in June of 2020, after George George Floyd's murder. 
um, I think a lot of people were like, well, what can we do? You know, it was a moment of reckoning in terms of like, what action can we take to do something positive? Um, and that's what I think some of the educators here thought. So I wasn't part of, you know, things initially, but two, two efforts were kind of happening at the high school. One was one of our English teachers started a reading group mm-hmm. to kind of read some anti-racist literature mm-hmm. um, and for educators to talk about. And another one of our staff members started um, another effort just to kind of an anti-racist, anti-racist teachers collective to talk mm-hmm. about actions that we could be taking. Um, and, you know, out of those kind of sentiments and groups came um, one of our other teachers, Nick Kane, who decided that a scholarship would be a great idea as something positive, as something practical, concrete, mm-hmm. that we could do to support students. And, you know, more specifically, the thought was, let's create a scholarship for students of color. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we looked at the numbers in terms of our school system. We have... Um, a pretty diverse student population. 41% of our students are um, students of color, and yet only about 5% of the teaching staff in Mm. Medford Public Schools is staff of color. So Mm -hmm. if there's something we may be able to do to shift that even a little bit, this scholarship could be it. Mm. And so is the scholarship aimed at students who are interested in studying education, or is it? Yes. So it's students who want to pursue education in, you know, at the college level, um, and for students of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I work as a social worker, and we have a similar issue where, like, you know, we're, we support folks, that, like a quite, quite a diverse group of people, and we find that, like, the pipeline for becoming a social worker is very white, right? And there's a lot of barriers um, to, to that profession uh, for lots of folks, too. And so it sounds like part of this intention is, is to kind of... Um, like mitigate some of those barriers for your students who may want to go into education, become teachers, and help to reflect the student body. Yeah, and no, no, I'm just saying. I I think you know a lot of people don't always think about how, and I'm sure it's probably the same for social work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cost involved mm-hmm. in the requirements to become qualified for mm-hmm. these jobs, and it, it it there are a lot of steps to it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, like the internship, like mm-hmm. unpaid work that you're yeah. going through, you're not getting paid for. And um, I remember during COVID lockdown, there was a report, I believe it was from WBUR, that because schools were so strapped for teaching staff, that they waived some of the requirements mm-hmm. and the diversity numbers went up, mm-hmm. which speaks to how some of these requirements are also barriers to getting more diverse, qualified people in the field because it you know there there's some financial parts of it too and, and I hope that and we talked a bit when we were um, starting the scholarship of what this what these funds could go towards mm-hmm. right um, school and um, you know there are tests that you have to take and, and all that all mm-hmm. that costs money so we hope that this can um, help in some of that because I think there are there are real statistics that show that that's part of it so how has it been? Like, what's what was the like um, response when you guys announced this, or how has it been going? Um, we were excited. So last year was our first year that we launched it. Mm-hmm. Um, we received donations from fifty different individuals, or I think more than fifty, um, and we raised more than three thousand dollars in our first year. Wow. Um, last year we awarded our two mm-hmm. first scholarship recipients, and they were both to um, students who are pursuing education at Bridgewater State. They were so worthy. Their applications and their essays were really 
kind of inspiring and it just it felt good knowing their stories where this money was going to go and mm. that it's really going to be helpful for them mm. and you know we're hoping to raise even more this year yeah how have you raised money like where is that where are those donations coming from um, so we do have a website, MedfordTeacherEquityScholarship.org, mm. and there is a space where you can donate through DonorBox. There's a button for that. Um, if people are more comfortable, they can certainly send in checks to Medford Teacher Equity Scholarship Fund at 27 Elliott Street in Watertown, Mass, 02472. Um, but for, for myself, I just, you know, I, I was just reaching out to people, posting online, um, sending emails, telling people about it. I mean, it was kind of word of mouth for mm. me. I don't know about you, Joel. <laughs> yeah, I would, well, I would like to also plug that we have created a nonprofit. So these are tax yes. deductible donations, yes. which is important for some people. Um, but yeah, you know, we sent emails to the staff. I know our union sent out an email to members to donate, um, which we appreciated. And yeah, there were community members, there were school committee members. It's been really encouraging mm. to see the amount of support we've gotten. And so we're excited to, you know, make things even bigger this year. Yeah, and for listeners, we're this is hopefully coming out around Giving Tuesday, so it could be a good opportunity to donate to Medford High students. Um, and there'll be a link in our show notes so people can find the website there. Awesome. Anything that surprised you about the process of starting this scholarship fund? Um, I wouldn't say surprising. It was just, again, it, it feels good to be doing something. You know, last year here, I'm sure people have heard, was a pretty hard year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was school violence and just the culture here wasn't great. And, you know, I remember talking to Nick Kane again, who started this effort initially, and it was so important for me and for him, and I think for a lot of people to be working on something positive that mm-hmm. we felt like this is something we're directly doing to give back to students. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, Sarah was the one who announced the scholarships at our annual scholarship night. And it was just such an exciting, emotional, proud mm-hmm. moment for me to see those two students mm-hmm. win, you know, take that money and feel like we've done something. Mm, great. Yeah. Anything about anything that you want to reflect on? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Joel kind of hit it there <laughs> for sure. Um, I wasn't involved with any of the, you know, I know there was like a lot of paperwork and, and stuff that, you know, I didn't do any of that. So I'm not surprised that it was there, but it, it was a bit of work to get it started for sure. I know for, for the, for Nick and, um, Anthony, right? Anthony, um, Guy, Guillen, Anthony Guillen, who is another teacher that helped set up the fund, like, you know, setting up an account for the fund and, mm-hmm. and um, setting it up as a nonprofit and all that. Um, so yeah, a lot of work went into that. I had no part in it, but it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's and it sounds like it's a bit of work outside of your regular jobs, and it's, so I know it's it seems obvious that this is something that you both are pretty passionate about, and and thank you for like putting that work in. It sounds like it was able to directly benefit some students, so thank you for doing that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I feel you know I will just add I feel even more passionately about this, given the recent Supreme Court, court mm. ruling. Um, effectively banning affirmative action at colleges because, you know, I was thinking about this and if we think about the barriers to attending college or even getting into college, we know that wealthy students um, have more access to resources Mm -hmm. to maybe have tutors and get better SAT scores Mm -hmm. and there's data supporting all of that. So if we look at, you know, on the other side, well, if, if students don't have the same resources and they may not be able to get 
as high test scores or as high GPA. They may not, just on paper, be able to get into the same Ivy League schools or elite colleges. Mm. Well, those are the colleges that are best with financial aid. Mm. That's just the reality. So if you have fewer students who, of need who are now attending these Ivy League schools or other elite colleges, Mm-hmm. They're going to be going more into debt, maybe. That could be a barrier for attendance. So, mm-hmm. again, I don't presume to believe that this scholarship is going to pay <laughs> full tuition. But, again, it's just another drop of drop in the bucket to support students who may need that financial support even more now in the face of this affirmative action ruling. It's a really solid argument, and I feel like that lots of people are looking for something to do. Like, you know, we hear this news, and it's, like, sounds it feel, feeling helpless. Like, okay, like, this is, you know, this change is really going to impact lots of us and lot, and our kids and our communities. And so donating to this scholarship is a thing you can do, right? Something that you can do to f- sort of feel part of this process and part of helping. Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you both for being here with me today. Um, and good luck with the fundraising. Thank you. Thank you. And I did not want to end this without saying thank you to Danielle, who, thanks to your efforts the past couple of years, Danielle has led fundraisers that have raised over $3,000 for our GSA here wow. in Medford, which... By the way, we also use for scholarships mm. um, in large part. We try to give scholarships to our seniors. So thank you so much. That's, oh, yeah. It means incredible amount to our students to have all of that money. Yeah, so thanks. thank you. I had a really um, awesome GSA growing up. So it's they're really important to me. And also it's thanks to our listeners who supported those fundraisers as well. So thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Right. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. The Medford Bites podcast is produced and moderated by Danielle Balaka and Chelly Kesheman. Music is made by Hendrik Idenis. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. You can reach out to us by email at medfordpod at gmail.com, or you can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Guys, what's the name of the podcast? Never bites. Never bites. <laughs> Good job.